0: The Rural Health Voice, episode 59, Delegate Sam Rasool. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. Why would someone running for lieutenant governor bother to visit far southwest Virginia? Delegate Sam Rasul joined me to discuss the importance of serving all Virginians. So welcome, Delegate Rasul.
1: Thank you for having me, Beth.
0: We certainly appreciate you taking the time to do this. So let's get a little bit of background. How did you first become interested in politics?
1: Yeah, I woke up one day after the 2006 uh, midterm elections and saw that times were changing uh, and uh, decided to get more involved. What I was really inspired by was uh, trying to impact uh, the way we engage uh, fundamentally. Um, So it was more process than than policy that really got me involved. I wanted to believe that there's a better way to win, a better way to engage. Eventually, I was lucky enough to be elected here uh, to the House of Delegates eight years ago. And, you know, for a child of immigrants who grew up in a working class family and we spent every single day in our parents' corner store, it's um, been something special to be able to serve.
0: And currently you're running for the office of Lieutenant Governor in Virginia. And you've made the news recently because you've spent time campaigning in far Southwest Virginia. Why do you feel it's necessary to visit that region?
1: Yeah, many visits to Southwest Virginia. And, um, you know, I'm here in the Roanoke Valley. Uh, so we, we are very uh, uh, um, hot on wanting, you know, uh, as many candidates as possible uh, to come out our way. Uh, and But getting even deeper into uh, southwest Virginia, uh, Virginia goes further west than Detroit. Uh, even past Roanoke, you can go another three and a half hours to get to the, the tips of, uh, of Virginia. Uh, so there's so much to explore. And what I found is that people are just anxious to not be forgotten. I was in Dickinson County, uh, over three hours from Roanoke. It's a coal county. And when I got there, there was a full color half page ad that said Sam's coming to the fighting ninth, uh, the ninth congressional district in the local Dickinson star. And you would have thought that the president himself was coming to Dickinson County and it wasn't uh, about Sam Rasool. It was about the fact that someone was coming to listen and to engage. Uh, and we were happy to do so and continue uh, to, to visit.
0: But from a pure numbers game, wouldn't it make sense to spend more time in high population areas so you can reach as many voters as quickly as possible?
1: First, uh, I don't like to think of it either or. I uh, enjoy uh, uh, saying I'm just going to work that much harder and do both, number one. And then number two, if we really believe in equity in all of its forms, whether it be health equity, uh, in this case, um, you know, equity in the way we even campaign and uplifting all voices, uh, we've got to show up everywhere. And uh, for me, it has been uh, an honor to be able to, to serve over the past eight years and to serve in such a way where, as a member of the Virginia Legislative Black Caucus and the Rural Caucus, uh, that's one thing that's brought us together, is this push uh, for equity in uh, all of its forms. So um, as one person told me, we uh, uh, might be small in the number of votes, but we are mighty. And uh, I feel it. And uh, uh, as someone who grew up out here in the western part of the state, um, we, we want to make sure that everyone feels the love.
0: And what do you feel that you have to offer rural voters?
1: Well, my uh, upbringing um, has me, uh, I, I think, at an advantage in the sense that, you know, growing up as a, religious and ethnic minority out here in the foothills of Appalachia. I had to build bridges everywhere I went. And it was always important uh, for me to uplift um, uh, every voice that I could. Uh, and and beyond that, also try to uh, figure out um, how I can meet people where they're at. And I think that that's important. Um, many times when we just get in our polarized camps uh, in, in one uh, neck of the woods or, or the other, uh, the reality is, is that um, it it hurts us with regards to trying to find ways where we can uh, work together. So, you know, having grown up in, in Roanoke and in Botetourt County, um, uh, you know, for me, I think it's uh, very evident that people all around Virginia, and I've made it a pledge as part of my campaign to visit every city and county in Virginia, whether it's in Acomac, uh, in Martinsville, in Lee County, people have one common message please do not forget about us
0: well and not only don't forget about us but remember you know what it is that we contribute you know, you've been critical of comments your democratic colleagues have made about rural communities taking more than their share in their words of, of state tax dollars what do you think that your colleagues need to understand about rural virginia
1: well, you know what, um, rural Virginia wants, just like any other part of Virginia, is to be treated fairly uh, and and to be treated equitably. Uh, and so, when I think about some of the um, education um, investments in uh, one of the you know great places in Virginia, for example, in, in Arlington, and I contrast that with some of the investments. Um, that we see in, in Tazewell County and what's accessible uh, to the students in Russell County, um, there's a disparity there. And, um, and what we need to do as a Commonwealth is say, hey, you know, we have a constitutional obligation uh, to ensure that all of our students uh, have equitable education. They all have an equal opportunity to succeed, which may mean that we need to invest a little bit more here or there uh, and so, you know, when, when we um, make comments that are not very mindful of some of the struggles of certain parts of Virginia, uh, we are not really living our values of equity uh, and certainly uh, inclusion. And, and so uh, it is my experience that people in southwest Virginia are not saying we need to be uh, first in line. They're saying uh, we all want to be uh, treated uh, fairly.
0: Well, I think one of the fairness, or excuse me, unfairness actually about rural communities is they have what's referred to as an extraction economy. Resources are taken from the community, be that coal or timber or water or food and sent somewhere else. But economies based on extraction don't reap the benefits of that extraction in the same way a business in an urban area would. You know, the people that own those extraction businesses don't live in the community. The money isn't reinvested in the communities. It leaves with the product. Do you have ideas about what could be done to improve the economy in our rural communities with that extraction model in mind?
1: You know, this is uh, I'm glad you you brought it up because it's not just about jobs um, and it's not just about traditional economic development it's about retaining wealth and wealth not being extracted. Um, and so the more that we can be doing to support uh, local businesses, um, uh, trying to expand um, and attract businesses that can actually incubate uh, in our regions. Uh, when we when we think about it that way, then uh, it helps us um, retain some of the wealth here in the Commonwealth and specifically in uh, those uh, regions, and so how can you do that? Uh, Invest deeper into uh, small businesses, uh, and that's where we know that some of that wealth is is certainly gonna stay. Second, when we offer some of these incentives uh, for businesses to come, uh, how we negotiate uh, is important, not just saying, well, you're gonna bring X number of jobs, we're gonna offer these incentives. Are those jobs going to increase the uh, median income? in an area? What is uh, actually going to um, happen with uh, our expectation of how they will do business with other local businesses? Uh, To me, it's all fair game. And um, we just, uh, my background being in finance and operations uh, says that, you know, you you need to take a good look uh, at some of these uh, proposals. And sure, in the end, it it certainly does everything uh, in our power to Uh, attract, but also retain wealth in uh, rural Virginia.
0: And a community with a better economy also leads to improvements in the health of the people in that community. What do you see as realistic solutions to improving the gap in health outcomes for rural citizens?
1: Well, we are happy that um, Medicaid expansion uh, has certainly uh, improved the lives of several hundred thousand Virginians. But there are still um, hundreds of thousands who are still uninsured. Uh, and in rural areas, uh, like in, uh, in in Appalachia, the poverty rate can be more than 50% than other parts of, uh, of, uh, of Virginia. And so as we uh, think through um, uh, some of the investments that need to be uh, made, uh, we, we certainly can see, you know, the economic decline in certain areas and a spike in the opioid epidemic. We certainly see uh, some of the other comorbidities on the rise as far as rural health care is concerned when uh, people do not have um, jobs in a future that seems brighter uh, for them and for their children than uh, in the past. Uh, and so uh, it very much is tied. And that's why. Uh, even during my time, uh, just this past year, I uh, uh, championed a budget amendment to bring a new nursing program down to uh, rural Virginia uh, and uh, tried to expand uh, the way we uh, think about access uh, to health care. Uh, so not only are you going to uh, create the talent pool, retain the talent pool, improve health outcomes, um, but uh, also hopefully uh, improve the economy at the same time.
0: You talked about expanding access. One way to improve access is through telehealth in our rural communities. But telehealth doesn't work without broadband. How can broadband access be expanded?
1: When I went to Norton City, um, near the tip of Virginia, I met a guy there and he said, you know, I actually have access to broadband. I'm one of the lucky ones here. And you know who I get to work for? I work for Apple. Um, So he's a a corporate employee for Apple. And it hit me that beyond uh, education, economic development, there's a livelihood issue, uh, being able to access um, uh, not only where you work, and want to live, but also, like you say, the services like in healthcare uh, and telehealth. And the problem that we fundamentally faced in Virginia is that we really haven't treated it, broadband, as the public utility that it is. Uh, We've got to take control of it. Uh, It is not something where we should uh, constantly be calculating, is it going to uh, produce the maximum profit um, for uh, a cable company? And, and expanding access one way or another. My plan uh, listed on my website talks about removing some of these regulatory barriers that are monopolistic, so it allows more competition, allowing for localities and broadband authorities to be able to uh, not only apply uh, for uh, grants um, uh, where they have been uh, uh, unfortunately not uh, included, But also even think about giving them a certain bonding authority so that they can build out uh, and create some of the competition that's got to happen. We we need an all hands on deck, all the above approach, uh, because it is that important to uh, the livelihood of so many people in, in rural Virginia.
0: Absolutely. When you think about, you know, the different things there internet is just flat out required for anymore. Certainly within this era where we have students taking classes online, um, if those students then want to apply for college, the research for colleges happens online, application happens online, searching for scholarships happens online. You know, anymore, it is absolutely essential utility. And I think we need to look back at the uh, rural electrification that happened uh, generations ago and use that as a model going forward to make sure that everyone's got access.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think you hit it on the head with rural electrification where we, where we said this is a public utility and not a luxury. Uh, and that's exactly how we should be treating the investments.
0: Now, one of the quirks of Virginia politics is that the lieutenant governor and the governor are not on the same ticket. And in recent years, we've had the governor, lieutenant lieutenant governor on different parties. If you were elected as lieutenant governor and the governor is a Republican, how will you work with that person to assure that the policies promoted are to the benefit of all Virginians?
1: Well, I've taken great pride in uh, certainly uh, trying to advance progressive ideas that are important to me, but always wanting to work with people from all walks of life who want to improve the lives of Virginians. And um, uh, that's why I have one of the most independent voting records in General Assembly, because I'm always asking, you know, is this decision I'm about to make on the right side of history? Uh, and so I look forward to being able to work with anyone who wants to improve the life of uh, Virginians. And uh, over the past eight years, uh, have done so, passing legislation every full session I've been in in a bipartisan way. Uh, and um, so, uh, you know, hopefully it's, it's not a split there, but if it ever it is, uh, we'll work hard to do what's right by Virginia.
0: And what do you have to say to urban and suburban politicians who have written off for all communities.
1: I say that there are many good people from all walks of life who uh, live all throughout Virginia. And um, the reality is, is, you know, if we think about one area as all Democratic and all Republican, if we think things are so monolithic, if we continue down this tribal path, then unfortunately, Uh, We um, are fostering a type of politics that is going to continue to be um, divisive. And that is not what our country needs. That's not what our nation needs at this time.
0: And the last question, the question I ask all my guests, if you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and health care in rural America?
1: Well, I, I think um, the, the one thing that you mentioned is um, that access to broadband certainly will help in lots of different ways to uh, improve the health, for sure. I know certainly as vice chair of the health committee uh, myself uh, and as someone who's worked in geriatric health care who sees that these disparities are are real, um, There there's a lot that we can think through, but a couple of ideas that I've championed. Uh, and put forward is uh, number one, creating a drug price affordability board uh, where we need to really ensure that we're uh, protecting the economic interests of all Virginians uh, with regards to drug prices. And then number two, uh, even expanding access uh, broader by having a, a, a public buy in option where people can buy into uh, the uh, programs uh, and, and health insurance uh, that we already offer through the state just to ensure that everyone uh, across Virginia um, has the ability uh, to be able to access affordable health care.
0: Well, thank you, Delegate Rasool. We appreciate you joining us and good luck in the primaries.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me, Beth.
0: That's Delegate Sam Rasool with his plan to address rural issues in an equitable manner. The Rural Health Voice and the Virginia Rural Health Association are nonpartisan. If there is a state level candidate you think we should hear from, have the campaign contact us at staff at VRHA.org. If you want to be part of the conversation about rural health, check out our upcoming Pride of Rural Virginia Community Conversations. Visit VRHA.org and click the Pride button at the bottom of the page. The Rural Health Voice is the podcast of the Virginia Rural Health Association. It is sponsored by the State Office of Rural Health and underwritten by the National Rural Health Association.